A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots and Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth. Now, it's the end of the, the working week in which ballots have gone to members, it's delayed, but they're starting to arrive. And James, last night we had the Sky head-to-head. Now, it was a head-to-head, but they didn't actually have to speak to one another, which I don't think is just a sign of the level of blue and blue at the moment when it comes to Liz, Liz Truss versus Rishi Sunak. But what do we learn from the debate? To me, at least, I think it seemed probably the toughest for both of the candidates of any of the debates or hustings we've had yet. So when this debate was initially scheduled, I mean, the assumption was that most people would have received their ballot papers by the time it took place. And, and given that lots of people operate off the theory that about half of the selectorate will return their ballot paper pretty much straight away, you might well have had lots of people having voted. But because of these concerns about the security of the ballot, some changes made... I was talking to one Tory member this morning who, who had only just received their ballot today. And I mean, that, that that's not uncommon. So perhaps it hit more than people there. Now, this was obviously on Sky, not on BBC. And so, you know, that, that will have its effect on, on the audience. But I think it was interesting because they took questions from the audience and then were grilled by Kay Burley. And I thought one of the interesting things about it was that you saw you saw how the debate has moved more firmly at the moment on, after the Bank of England's warning yesterday onto the economy. Now, in some ways, I think that suits both candidates because Liz Truss was saying yesterday that she thinks that, you know, that there's that this recession the Bank of England is predicting is not inevitable and was implying that, you know, that, that her policy choices could avert that. Rishi Sunak, obviously, this is comfortable territory in that he was Chancellor of Exchequer until relatively recently. So he has his own economic argument ready to go. So, KB, what did you take away from it? So I thought it was pretty hard going for both of them. I, I think that Rishi Sunak looked under pressure at various points. I think that the way the audience questions worked, where they could actually come back with follow-ups, was interesting. I think we can listen to a clip here of when Rishi Sunak was accused of stabbing Boris Johnson in the back and didn't quite get Kay Burley's Shakespeare reference straight away, at least. What does honesty mean to you in politics and leadership? Great question. So, look, it, it, honesty, in a sense, it means telling you the truth, right? And even when that's not easy. And I think you can see in this leadership election, that's what I'm doing, right? And that first question at the beginning of how I'm doing in the polls and all of that, right? I am saying some things that are maybe not the easiest thing in the world to hear. We're talking about trust. You can't be trusted. Uh, what, which bit? Is what Nadine Doris? You, you knife in Boris for your own interest. That's there you go. The right, perfect. Right, okay. Let's 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 address that. That's actually great that yeah. you've raised it. Sorry, what was your name, sir? Stephen. Stephen. Right. So yes, I worked with the Prime Minister for a couple of years, and I'm really proud of the work we achieved together. Actually, and I think he deserves enormous credit for what he achieved during that time. And I, as I said, I'm proud to have been a part of it. And he gave me the job I had, and I'm grateful to him for it. But it got to a point where. It was too difficult for me to stay. It was interesting when Rishi Sunak finally grasped what the question was about. He was saying, oh, no, yes, I do want to address this. And I think that pointed to a general frustration within the Rishi Sunak camp as this contest has gone on, that 
some of the members who are upset by the fact that Boris Johnson has gone, but have been almost thrown into this Tory leadership contest when they're still in the stage of anger, have really, uh, I think there's been this betrayal narrative put forward by people like Nadine Doris as having, I would say, not a huge effect in the sense of defining the entire contest, but I think it is having enough that there are some members who just are not giving Rishi Singh the time of day. And therefore, I think he was quite keen to use it as an opportunity to say, look, there were problems Let's not pretend, as I said previously in a radio interview, that it was, you know, halcyon days in the final months of Boris Johnson's leadership, but also saying, you know, where he thought we had done well. Now, I thought this was fairly effective, but I think part of the reasons the format was quite tricky is you could see the audience member who asked the question. And for all the talk today from the trust camp that this audience were pro-Rishi and it was unfair, that audience member didn't look to me particularly convinced by Rishi Sunak's answer. I think there'll be people sitting at home who are more convinced. But I think it just, um, part of the format meant that it just meant the candidates were under more pressure. And you could see it with Liz Truss too. So when Liz Truss was facing her audience member questions... I think probably actually I thought the toughest question for her was on the economy where you had a woman really taking her to task and I think we can hear that clip here. And my grandchildren encumbered with huge debt. The one thing Margaret Thatcher believed in was sound money. This is not sound economic. And what I would do is help relieve... 15% interest rates, Liz. I remember those days. I had to pay a mortgage of 15%. Are we going back to that level again? No, because we've got an independent Bank of England that make decisions about interest rates and we're, we're, we're nowhere near uh, that, that position at all. And coming back, effectively, first saying, you know, do your numbers add up? Is this going to cause a problem for my children and grandchildren? And then when Liz Truss has answered, it's, uh, you know, Kay Burley going back and saying, well, what do you make of that? And I think it just added to the pressure, the fact that they couldn't just say something and move on and pretend everything was okay. And it gave you a bit more insight into, I, I think, the weaknesses of the two candidates. I think because Liz Truss is the front runner, she had the most to lose from it um, in the sense that... Uh, you know, to rise when you're ready that far ahead is quite a high feat. And I think it was the trickiest for her of the two. And you could see that in the reaction afterwards when the audience members were asked, you know, say who, who had won them over. And these are the undecided. And they quite overwhelmingly backed Rishi Sunak. Now, there's lots going around today to say, well, this person worked for Anna Subri uh, once upon a time. So they were never going to go for Liz Truss, a former Remainer, and, and so forth. And, and therefore the audience was fixed. But I think... If we just put that aside for a minute and we just say the audience, as far as we know, was was pretty balanced in terms of those undecided group, I think the problem for Rishi Sunak is still the fact that if you look at general polling, I think the YouGov polls are that 11% of you know the people they've surveyed are undecided. So you might be like doing quite well within that pool, but it's still a pretty small pool at this point to fish from. And that suggests that you know, despite the fact that Rishi Sunak has done well yesterday, it's hard at this point to see it being a, a big game changer in the the way that perhaps it would have been if it had been at the start of the contest when I think the narrative is more to be won. Now, there's a slight air of unreality, I think, sometimes at, at times around the straw leadership contest because, you know, you had the Bank of England warnings yesterday about a recession, about inflation at 13% this October and still at 9.5% in the third quarter of, of next year. I suppose two, two questions spring to mind stemming from what the bank said, given that they think that these rising energy prices are going, to, are going to are what is spiking inflation. Are is whoever wins going to have to come up with an energy support package? 
for households to deal with the rise in the October price cap. And secondly, if inflation is this high, KB, how much more difficult, for this long, how much more difficult does trying to hold to these pay review body recommendations on public sector pay, which are around 5% increases. How much more difficult does that become? Well, I think you make a very interesting point in your Times column today, which is effectively, I think we can safely say that Liz Truss is a clear favourite at the moment. So I think it's fair to talk more about what happened if she if she was Prime Minister. But if she is going to have this emergency budget, and the reports today saying that would be, I think, 21st September potentially and she said the things she's going to do there are reverse national insurance and stop this corporation tax hike now if uh, she spends you know billions doing this I think there is there is a point which is when you are in a situation where it's going to get more politically difficult to say no to pay rises for lower paid as as this crisis goes on and on and you know people find it incredibly difficult but secondly if it then looks as though you are giving money to uh, you know businesses when it comes to corporation tax that would be quite easy I think for Labour to weaponize saying well there is money somewhere and you could almost see the issue with the regional pay boards I think it came up slightly which is how quickly this week the trust camp had to u-turn on the idea from their own announcement that uh, not only would civil servant pay potentially uh, be effective where you live so low if you live further out in a poor areas it would also extend to public sector workers and I think the fact that they now we can go into why exactly like U10 happened I think there's probably as ever you know there's always I think some cock up as well as you know rather than conspiracy of these things but the fact it was so politically toxic in the few hours that the policy existed I do think just does point to how tricky it is on public sector pay if you try and do anything radical or drastic um and I think as you say, refusing uh, pay rises when you're finding money for other things is going to get quite tricky. What do you think? I think that I think the, the problem that, that anyone is going to run into as prime minister is that in hard times you can you can argue that in hard times reform is more necessary than before, but it's also more difficult to do because things that create losers are always politically problematic. Now. Trust campaign would say that their proposal on public sector pay was for, was for new starters. No existing nurses or doctors would have, would have, would have taken a hit. This would only have been if, if people were newly recruited, would, would this have applied. But I still, I still, I still think, it, 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 as you say, it is politically very difficult in a cost of living crisis to be talking about kind of things that might lead to people being paid less than they might have expected to otherwise have been paid. I mean, that, that, that is, and that is going to be a problem for any government, whoever wins, uh, and I think you can see from the difficulties that, that Keir Starmer has had about strikes and the desire of, of Labour front benches to join picket lines. You know, the, 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 this is not a simple question for for anybody. I think one of the other things as well is I don't think that this speculation, which we should say, is not coming from anyone around Liz Truss about an early election, right? This is more coming, I think, from political observers. James Kirkup's written a very interesting piece for Coffee House about it. And also from civil servants who look at, and I think it's worth just unpacking the logic behind it for a second, which is their argument is, is not that this autumn is a brilliant time to have a general election. It's obviously not a brilliant time to have a general election, considering where inflation will be. Uh, and given that the public will say, well, hang on a second, there are all these crises coming. Why are you having a general election when you've got a perfectly comfortable House of Commons majority? I don't think anyone who is, any of those who are talking about an election think that. It's more that they think that after this storm has hit, 
it will be that much more difficult for any incumbent government to get re-elected. And I think it is worth remembering a point that Freddie Gray made on the cover of the spec a few months ago, which is, you know, in the 70s, in high inflation, presidents and prime ministers tended not to get re-elected because inflation makes everybody, uh, almost everybody poorer and makes politics very scratchy. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.